I'm Pastor Rich. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point Church. And uh, I like to have fun because I'm going to share something today. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. In chapter 4, we're going to go through today as Paul was talking about the church. The reason why I do things like this and we talk about VBS and talk about becoming a member because our mission here at Grace Point Church is three things. We want people to do three things. Connect and grow and serve. The reason why I've been concentrating on that, because I had to make sure I was going to stick with that since I only had the job two and a half years. But when I went through Ephesians 4, there's three things really stuck out at me for people to connect with God and people, people to grow in God and with people, and people to serve God and serve people. And when you look at chapter 4, that's exactly how it breaks out about taking the theology of what we learned from verse, I mean, chapters 1 through 3 and putting it in a practical realm from 4 to 6. And we talk about 1 through 16, we talked about unity, how important it is. But how important it is that, you know, that Christianity is not, is not an isolation relationship. Christianity is very relational. Very relational. When we talk about personal relationship with Jesus, always translate to a personal relationship with one another. And I know when we talk about those things and we try to get people in groups and all that, that is countercultural because we're into this world of isolation. I'm the hero, have the one superstar, and I do it all by myself. But, you know, that's great when you're on earth. But there's nothing worse as a pastor as you get older and you start to do more funerals. And you see those who are connected to some, a body of people who love them show up and those who are connected, they've been isolated, they've been successful in all their lives, in everything. But at the end of their days, there was no one there to celebrate their homecoming or where they were going. Because they did it all by themselves. And when they talk about being a Christian, there's no such thing as being isolated. There's no such thing as the long ranger. It's one of the toughest things to love God, but the tougher thing is loving each other. And walking with each other because we got now we have the new type of technology that we don't have to speak to one another except through a computer versus face to face. And when we talk about chapter four, we're going to start. Paul talks about two things. It's a long chapter, one through 16. So this is the entity of the church, what we went through new individual, new family, the church, mission of the church. How does the church stay strong? Two things when we go through this. Verses 1 through 6 is we maintain unity. And 7 through 16 is we, we become equipped for ministry. We become equipped for service. And as a church, those should be our two main functions. So let's unpack this together. Get your Bibles out. We already covered 17 to 32 because you'll see what, hap- what kills a church. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. That's what it talks about. Putting on the yet the old man will destroy a church. Without the Holy Spirit, he'll build the church. But man by ourselves will kill the church. So that's 17 to 32. It even says we'll grieve the Holy Spirit in that portion when there's no unity in the body. So let's start together in verse chap in chap in verse one, chapter four in Ephesians. It says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, 
bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God of all who's over all and through and in all. I love little words because it's so powerful. And you see this first part of this chapter of verses 1 through 6. He starts off with walk worthy of the calling. That's the whole theme for the whole chapter. Walk worthy of the calling. Whenever you see the word walk, it means to live. Paul is going from the theological to the practical. He's going from doctrine to demonstration. He says, when you walk, continually walking, the verb says, that means you are to live a life worthy of your calling. And here's the takeaway today. We are to live like the people we have become. We are to live like the people we have become. When I was going through this the other day and just studying it, I got convicted through my personal family. You know, I don't know about you. Our family, because I'm from New York and I'm down here in, in Texas and I got family in Virginia and all over the place. We make a lot of promises that, you know, we're going to come together. We're going to act like what? But the only time we seem to come together is either marriage or something that is going tragically wrong in the family. Now, when we come together and if something happened, we're, un- we're unstoppable. All of a sudden, we take on this role of the way we should have been. And then at the end of the thing is over, we make promises. We need to call each other more, and we break them. We're lying. (laughs) I'm going to call you every week. Yeah, right. Okay. Sounds great. They know me. I'm not, you know. And then God took me to the church, today's church. Seemed like the only time we see people is when something's falling out. We call ourselves family, but we show up maybe once every three months when there's crisis in our lives. When I'm reading through the scriptures, see, the church is here to build up, not complete, to continually heal up. Because when you walk away from God, I don't care what it is. You think you have it all together? You're getting smashed, and you walk in here like, oh my gosh, I'm missing something. Yeah, you've been missing this environment. And not just in Sundays. I'm just talking about life groups and all those things, the environments we try to build. But just, we're family, and I'm not saying just here. We're family, but, hey, I'll see you. I promise I'll see you. And only when crisis comes, we show up. And when the crisis is over, I'm good. I noticed that. That's what I do in my personal, that's what I do in my biological family. Convict, I need to call them more. Need to act, and we always say this: we need to act like what? Family. We're gonna start acting like family. That's what I'm saying. We need to live like the people we have become. We have become Christians, which is a culture. Listen, we are a culture. We're not a subculture. We are the culture. Whenever we act like a subculture, whenever we have something that the culture's doing, we try to mimic what they're doing. We always seem to try to catch up. But when we are the culture, we are the leaders of what society should be like that we're all asking for. So when in the book of Acts, when the people became born again, they went and became a culture, a society of believers with their own doctrines and their own and the epitome of character. 
And they led by their character. Because they have a reality show, we don't need a reality show. Every time we try to catch up with culture, we're behind. Because they don't know where they're going, so it's back and forth. We are the culture that people should be following. Make sense? Okay. When you look at the word living, live like the people we become. It talks about here, the walk in the matter. And how do we walk? He broke out about five things here. One thing is in humility. Because one thing I noticed watching the NBA playoffs and the, NBA and the NFL playoffs, the most talented team don't seem to make it. Because owners spend a lot of money to put players on a team. And it says even like in the, in the church, God spends a lot of time and, and it says 1 Corinthians 12, he arranges people in the body. But, you know, God will put us together, but there's one thing that teams might, that, well, they always seem to lack. Once God put them together or their, their owner put them together, they don't come together. See, the choice is when God sticks us in a place, we have to make the choice to come to one another. He arranges us in a certain way, but he, then we have to make the decision to come together. He puts us together. He arranges us together. But we have to make that decision to come together, which takes is a long-term relationship. Because when we get into the word here, it's talking about growing, not just going into business and being experts. We grow together. And the first thing that will kill any relationship or kill any team is the word humility. You see that in there. And what it's talking about as humility, I always tell this with people arguing, do you want to be right or do you want to have peace? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but not really not thinking of yourself at all. And be able to lift others up. And Jesus was the epitome of, he showed, he displayed humility. He was God, and he became man. Show the scripture here, sir. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So have this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus. So we have the mind of Christ, who through he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. How many believe Jesus had some credentials? But he said those credentials have nothing to do with me saving man. I'm going to humble myself and prefer sinners over me. You know, almost the blue their mind in John chapter 13 when Jesus took off his towel and he, he washed their feet. In a church, it doesn't matter really what your title is. Bishop so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. How many names can you have? Can you serve? What happens is people get blown up because they work, they serve to get somewhere. And that's not what Jesus did. He served to get them somewhere. My job is to serve others to get them somewhere, not to get myself somewhere. And that takes a lot of work because it takes a lot of humility. Because I might be writing some things, but they're not there yet. I got to lower my position. So I don't mind. The guys kick me out. I love to be in the hallway. They keep kicking me out because I won't let nobody else do it. But it's the action of letting, lifting others up. Not shining. Because really, how many titles can you have? 
How many plaques do you, I mean, I'm in the military 23 years. I won every single award. I was super guy. You ought to see my garage. <laughs> it's all stacked up. And I'm, where are we going to move it this time? We'll move it over here. We'll move it over there. No one cares. You've seen one idea I have in my office. That's my shadow box. That signified 23 years of Richard. Hello. And I went to see her. They said, I don't care what you did. Can you lift the box? Because <laughs> you pursue the wrong thing. In the church, you pursue Christ together, not position. We humble ourselves, which is the hardest thing that keeps unity going. Secondly, you can have gentleness, being gentle, not, over, not being mean. How about patience? How many love patience? I learn patience every day. I told my wife, I got permission to share this story. We buy Ms. Donna a gift card every year for Christmas. And we figure she'll go out and buy something with it every year. But Ms. Donna goes pre-shopping. <laughs> she goes shopping, too much money, it'll go down. She'll come back in three months. Wait, it's still down. They'll bring it down. She still have gift cards from two years ago. And that dress that was $150 becomes $20. That is the threshold. Right? How am I doing? And you see, that's even too much. I have a military discount. (laughs) Patience. Because I'm going to go buy it. It's $120. Go get it. Let's go get it. Patience. In another word, when I put it in this context, patience is you have Patience for other people because they're not like you. One of the dangers I can fall into is try to judge people by my intentions, what I would do versus what God would do. And then you have to fight that all the time, especially as a leader. I would do this. I would do that. And it's not about what I would do. It's about what God's doing through them and for them that I have to see because everything's, the church is not, is more than an organization. It's an organism. And it's completely growing. If you get to go to the big island of Hawaii, you'll see the volcano. It's all volcanoes. They showed us what Hawaii is going to look like in 10 years because it's still growing. It's like the church. It's still growing. Still growing. Because that's what Christ wanted us to do. How about bearing with one another? Bearing each other's shortcomings. Bearing the load and the burden of other people. So we're talking about maintaining the unity. These are some of the principles of maintaining the unity. And there's seven foundations that we see, what I call the essentials, that a lot of times we fight over that we shouldn't. Can you give me verses four through six? Verses four through six, thank you. There's what? One? One? Just as you are called to one? That belongs to your call. One, 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 and who is through all and what? Isn't that the essentials? Did it say anything? Do you lift your hands? Do you talk in tongues? Do you take communion every week? Those are the essentials. Once we stick what's really important and don't, 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 please do not major on the minors. 
or how we worship or how we, how we do things. We're, really, those are the majors. That's what he's telling them. This is what Israel, the Jews, would think. One God, one Father. One Spirit. One baptism. And when you want to talk about baptisms, I can talk to you all day theologically about the different baptisms. But he's just talking about be one, guys. Think about that. Maintain the unity on that. Not how he walks and how he talks. And our humility. Maintaining the unity. Connect to one another. Because that's the hardest thing. Teams win championships, but even harder next year to win again because they get individualistic about their accomplishments. And we're hoping no one wants to take a raise and you blow up the team. In the church, we're all, remember we said three weeks, we're all level at the cross, man. It doesn't matter how much education you have or don't have. You know Jesus, you're the richest person on the planet. And see, you see, unity is motivated by theological oneness. Now, here's one thing I learned. If our theology that we're preaching is not practical, it isn't theology. If we can't take what we get in the Bible and walk it out every day and live this out every day, there's something wrong. God didn't build it like that, that we sit around and think about it. He built it so we can read it, understand it, and walk it and live it out. John Stott says this, you know, the unity of the church is as, is as indestructible as the unity of God himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is indestructible. Jesus said, I will build my what? And the gates of hell will not what? Have you ever seen gates move? Have you ever get attacked by a gate? That means we're indestructible. Unity is indestructible. You cannot destroy it once we're on the same page. We can't destroy. It's like a marriage. You cannot destroy when we all agree on the one thing. As a guy, I need my wife. I agree on that. That's all I need to agree on. I'm nothing without her. That's my, that's my conviction, guys. Now, if you want points with your wife, there'll be, be a conviction, too. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's indestructible. That's why the devil fights it and tries to blow it up. Every move of God, when you look at Christian, Christian history, God had a move, man messed it up. We destroyed it. Bickering about who's in charge, who's going to run this thing, who's going to distribute this, who's going to do that. And it's like, can we just, just get along, as Rodney King said so eloquently. And it's really the church because we lead it. And it's happening a lot today. It's happening in our, big, in our Christian circles with big leaders being played out on the newspaper. It's the devil doing that. One man apologized today about his rant about another brother. And when the world, when people outside the church, because remember, this thing is written to the church. It's epistle. When they see that, they're saying, if you guys can't agree on anything, why do I need to come here? Yeah. Yeah. You know what they're fighting over? The non-essentials. You know what separates us sometimes? The non-essentials. We're all, we can all fall into that gap. Every one of us. The non-essentials. The second thing is, be equipped for ministry. We come here to maintain the unity. That's what the church does. And we be equipped for service. 7 through 16 says this. But grace was given to each one of us. 
Everyone said, I have a gift. Now, you see, he went from plural to singular. This is God giving us all something of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives, um, led hosts of captives, and he gave them gifts. He gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he had also descended into lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And it's talking about Psalm 68, 18, which re- references Moses in the law, and it's also representing prophetically Jesus when you read that part of it. Fill all things. And he gave apostles and the prophets and evangelists and shepherds, shepherds, which is pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the union of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature and the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. See, I'm not a child. Tossed to and fro by the waves carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness to people seems, rather speaking the truth in what? We are to what? Wow. You know, when Dr. Phil says it, he you don't get offended at him. When the pastor say, grow up, oh, he offended me. <laughs> Just saying. Because I'm going to tell you to grow up. In every way, into, into who? Into him. Who is the head of the Christ, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Love. It says here in the very beginning, we have received grace for ministry. Each and every one of us. Which takes unity to another level. Unity is maintained, maintained by diversity and variety. We don't have to wear the same clothes. But God has given each and, say each and every one of us a gift which is different from the other person. By design which brings diversity and variety, and that's how unity is maintained from all walks of life. All di- you have a gift that you're sitting on that you don't even think about, that you don't have chance to exercise and employ if you don't come. Come on, somebody. It's like unraveling a, a gift that you won't open up because you like it in the box the rest of your life. And you might have been the one to call to change someone's life, particularly in your, in your calling. See, it's more important than just coming here. It's coming here and being equipped for service. So as a pastor, my job is to equip you for the work of what? Ministry. And the word ministry means service. But in the midst of that, we do that relationally. So we get together and you start. I started, I didn't know I was going to be doing this over 20-something years ago. I loved to park cars. So I did, I parked the car. And my first lesson was how to talk to people with grace. Because the guy who was teaching me, guess who he had an argument with? Not a guess. He got an argument with a saint who was mad because he didn't park his car right. So I'm laying there learning. And they're about to come to blows. Wow. So my job was, go get the pastor, because I don't know what's going on. (laughs) You know what he turned into be? Our worship leader. He didn't know it either. But he was a heck of a director. 
when he came to directing music. That perfect pitch. He started with me parking cars. That's where it starts. We have gifts that we deny or gifts you don't like because you want to do this. Can I say this? I have an office. That's all this is, is an office. But I have to preach the gospel outside this office the same way. Now, my responsibility is to make sure you guys are equipped and unified. And you're not getting bad theology. And you're unified in purpose. And then you go out and you do that, not even out, inside the place, and you do that for one another. You know the people back there in our, in our children's ministry are spectacular. Serving and doing that. And half of them back there say, I couldn't do that. I can't do that. Now you can't get them out of there. Because no one said they couldn't do it. And that's the way God wants you. If you think you're an expert out, you're going to get destroyed with children. But you start honing the things that God has placed in you, the seed that we talked about three weeks ago. And then you find fulfillment and you find belonging because everyone has a need to belong. We can deny it. That's why gangs are so popular. That's why cults are so, everyone, everyone wants to belong to something. I know it's our innate need, but you find to discover something that's in you that you're starting to do something significant. You know, I thought I was doing something significant for the U.S. government. I thought, and I was, but it didn't fulfill my soul until I started um, parking cars and teaching kids and doing something under the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, wow, I really feel like I did something this week. Now, I worked 50 hours that week, but it didn't really mean anything. But when I came in and do it, man, I just feel so energized. And that's the part of it, not just to come and be Monday morning quarterbacks. Because like a player, you have 22 people on the field that definitely need some rest. And thousands in the stand who definitely need some exercise. <laughs> That's what's about the church, fulfilling. This is inside, building. What happens? It starts to build something great. We start to build one another up. We start to grow into the measure and the stature of Christ. And then people say, that is a church that's unified. I want to be part of that. It happens to God as we start to come together. And everyone, how many love to get on a winning team? They see a winning team on the outside. But really, intrinsically, we're united through Christ on the inside. That's what I love about it. Romans 12 says this, 12, 6, and 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace, what? Given to us. Let us what? I wonder why he put that in there. Let's use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, one who teaches in his teaching, one who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in generosity, one who leads with zeal, one who acts, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. With cheerfulness. He's talking about use those gifts. He says, I don't know what they are. Get started. You'll discover your, your character real quick when you go in the nursery. You will find out how good and how, how patient you really are. 
Especially if you get Johnny and you pull that, bar, that diaper back and whee, right in the eye. And you say, I just changed them. No, you didn't. You'll learn quickly. How's it worked out? How do I grow? In movement. If I don't move my arms, they will, they will just die. If I don't walk, I'll be prone to a wheelchair because I didn't use the muscles, come on somebody, that were given to me. Because service leads to health and maturity. I told you a month ago when we had a church split in Okinawa, me and Ms. Don had no idea it happened. I was an elder because I was so busy serving in another building in children's ministry. We were ahead of that thing. It was a big building, three floors, and we were running all that. And we came in before church started, and we came out when church was over. Those who were not serving, who were just sitting, are the ones who want to split the church. Because if you're not doing anything, like you tell your children, if you don't do anything, you're going to do what? Get in trouble. And how does he work this? He says, you know, there's one thing that's here. Truth becomes truth. 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 Speaking the truth in love. I wrote this down. Truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love, and love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. Truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. That's why it has to be relationally. I will never have a prophet come in here and talk about, thus said the Lord, if we don't know them. And you can't earn anyone's right to speak into their lives if you don't know them. Because they'll know that you love them, they'll receive it. They think you're just out, whatever, they're not coming. And you know, it's tough. That's why we build environments for this to work. VBS is another environment, guys. We build the picnics and we build the uh, military. We build all that in so you guys can get into one little area and have some fun and fellowship and love, start loving on one another. It takes a lot of work to get everybody in the doors because you fight. I don't know if I'm coming. I don't know if I'm coming. We don't know who's coming, but we want to make it. We move every obstacle. We pay for it. You ever notice we pay for all that so you can come together and fellowship because we know we want you to connect. We know we want you to grow and we want you to serve. But the only way we got to build those environments in so you can come together and start really liking each other. That's our philosophy. When we talk about being, we have a, a luncheon every eight weeks. Get to know you. That is by design to build an environment so you can connect, grow, and serve. Same here. Verse 16 really hit me when you look at it. It says this. From whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. Each part is working properly makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. It's saying here that Christ energizes the body by providing, by providing his leadership and nourishment. All this comes through the head. Everything that we need to be nourished comes from Christ himself. The ligaments. Think about a body and the head is perfect. That's Christ. Now the body, it's not eh, still trying to work each other. You ever seen a, um, um, a young teenager grow too fast? 
and their legs are taller than the body and they're trying to play basketball, they're kind of awkward because their body hasn't grown into what their head's telling them to do. And then you get my age, your head says you can slam dunk. Your body says, I don't even try it. <laughs> but your mind says you can do this. But your body says, no, you can't. The whole body. Not perfect, but growing. The ligaments are getting stronger. When you connect with God and people, you start to get stronger because you cannot be strong without it. You'll just survive, not thrive. And anything that even, if you do it too long, anything that even hints about coming together, you're like, I don't need that because you're so bitter. Because life has made you bitter and it made you hard. And guess who's around to keep you from being bitter? Guess who teaches you not to be bitter? I'm not going to mess with you, Josh. You never get on my nerves. (laughs) Josh has what I don't have. And I definitely have what he don't have. Right? But we need one another to do this. We need to work this out. We need to maintain the unity And we need to build together for service and make something fantastic inside here. And it will spill over out there. Now, anywhere else, I wouldn't even know, Josh, unless it's through Christ. The richness of knowing different people in different places from Christ. I wouldn't have known you. I wouldn't have known you. Wouldn't have known you. Think about it. We don't know any of that. The richness which everyone brings. And then we take it and we maintain it. And then we get equipped to serve not just God, but each other. And when you are long enough and you see the richness of those relationships, you see kids grow up and graduate. You see families that were just in devastation become thriving. But it takes work because, again, we have to live. We have to live. But that means walk, live to the level we have become. We got to live that level. My coach used to say this, man, you guys aren't living to the, of this training I gave you. Why, you. why are you slacking? We went through this in practice. Live to the level that we train for. Be the people that you're called to be. Be all of it. There's no skies and limits. Let's all stand. Because the church is a body that must grow to the fullness of Christ. Time for us to live like the people we have become. How many are new are born again? How many love Jesus? Live like the people you have become. Thriving. Bless. It won't be a line, it's the truth. Now, visibly, you might not think it, but spiritually, you're there. Live to the level that you will call. Do not let a setback define who you are. Do not let us define you. You might be broke, but I'm in Christ. 
I might be in pain, but I'm in Christ. I might be hurting, but I'm in Christ and I'm in his family. And I'm not going to break off what I need. Unity and continually to be serving, to growing, because I need to grow even bigger. So let's just worship. Let's praise God together. I'm going to go out and praise. Whatever it is, live, live like the people we have become. Praise like the people you have become. Worship like the people you have become. Live like the people you have become. And Father, I thank you right now as we praise your name and thank you, God, that you are our head. Everything comes from you. All things, God. We praise you, Lord. You are our nourishment. You are our fact. You are everything that we need, God, to do the things that you have called us to be, to be the people you have called us to be. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.